You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Hey, I want to make a special introduction this morning. Uh, really, really, really a privilege here. If you've been seeing us online or you came in and saw posters of the thing on your seat, then, then you probably know it's Feed One Sunday. If not, you now know it's Feed One Sunday. And uh, we really have the awesome privilege to, uh, and you might have not even known this when you came in, that you have the privilege this morning to change a child's life forever. Uh, but we have a special opportunity to hear from an incredible guest speaker and an incredible pastor who's really blessed us and blessed Katie and I. And and uh, I believe he's going to encourage your heart this morning. And that's Pastor Chris Songskin. So would you do me a favor? And uh, I, did I add another one? What is it? What is it? Songskin. My goodness. I'm so bad. Would you just welcome him this morning as he comes to bring the word? I knew. I knew. That's all right. How's everybody doing today? Oh, man. You are one good-looking group. At least most of you. But um, no, you're awesome. Hey, do you have amazing pastors or what? Yeah, no, you do. You have amazing past. I mean, Josh, he's, you know, just kind of cool and all tatted up, got the boots on today. And, and then his beautiful wife, she's like a little rock star, a little Katie Gaga. Um, and she's just rocking it. So, yeah, that's going to stick right there. Katie Gaga, I just now branded you Katie Gaga. Hey, it is awesome to be able to be with you. My name is Chris Songson, and... Uh, uh, we, uh, I'm a pastor in Southern California, uh, where the earth shakes, and um, and we, and if you've been, some of you, I'm watching the news or something, but um, but we uh, uh, we have uh, 10 campuses, uh, about to launch our 11th campus. Uh, well, praise God, and so reaching a lot of people, and so that's really awesome. Uh, we have a coaching thing. We coach about 700 churches a month to help them figure out how to grow and develop, and we're working with your wonderful pastors as well, uh, and so that's pretty exciting. And then there's a part of my life that also helps feed children. So about six years ago, there's a ministry called Convoy of Hope. And I went to Convoy of Hope, uh, and I know the president real well. And I went to him and said, hey, I got this idea called Feed One. Uh, and it's what if we got, like Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100, you can at least feed one. Everybody can feed one, you know. And so we brought the price down from $38 down to $10 per month. I thought, okay, let's get everybody on that. I grabbed a few of my friends that have a lot of influence across the nation, and we've just been promoting it on Sundays that we have an opportunity to hang out with friends. And uh, as of last month, we just hit uh, 172,000 children a day, every day. And that's in 11 countries, including America. Uh, and so we are feeding kids all over the world. And, uh, and it's not what I do. My main thing is being a pastor, just like your pastor. But I just felt like, you know, Jesus hides himself among the needy. So if you want to seek him, you'll find him there. And uh, so we just wanted to do that. So, But I want to be able to minister to you, and then we'll talk a little bit about Feed One at the end. Uh, a little bit more about me. I am married to a beautiful Hispanic woman. Uh, no, she's hot. And, uh, um, and uh, no, no, yeah, we've been married for uh, forever. And uh, uh, we started dating when we were 12 years old. And uh, so if you have a 12-year-old, imagine they're meeting their, today, it's happening. They're meeting their spouse. Um, and we uh, met each other, and we've been we're boyfriend and girlfriend, then got married, and uh, been married for years, and she's a beautiful Hispanic woman. I, how many Hispanics do we have here? Any Hispanics do we have? Uh, that was all right, but I've been to the family reunion. 
and you're a lot louder than that. Um, and uh, we have beautiful spa- And then we have two amazing children. We have a son. Uh, he is Mr. Workout, Mr. Fit. You know, if you're in your early 20s and you're single, see me. He's, um, he's got the little six-pack and everything. He's all Mr. Fitness. and He's just like a little stud. And, and we have a daughter, and she texts. That's it. But um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Totally playing. She's really good at it, and we're praying for a scholarship. Just believing God to give us money. Um, but hey, if you have a Bible, go to John chapter 6. If you got a Bible, go to John chapter, I see everybody reach over the phones. There we go. Um, go to John chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, next year I'm at a hotel, get one. They're, uh, they're free there. Um, but we're going to be talking about John chapter 6. Now, I'm a guy that loves to do adventurous things. I've always done adventurous things. My wife says that I have a bucket list. And I love to do adventurous and wild things. I really do. And uh, I mean, bungee jump, skydiving, uh, whatever. And the, the wilder, the better. I want to I have a bucket list. I want to go down the Nile River. I've done that. Climb pyramids. Do that. You know, stand on the equator. I've done that. You know, just things that I like to do. And a few year, quite a few years ago, we did this thing at our church uh, called Living the Great Adventure. And everybody did something wild. And my job was to skydive. Anybody here ever skydived before? Yeah, oh, awesome. Did you skydive? Did you tandem or did you get? Oh, that's cute. And um, no, I'm just playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Uh, so I decided I was going to jump out all by myself, which means you got to train all day long. So let me tell you about living the great adventure. So this is kind of a cool thing. Like it was at one of our larger campuses, and I was speaking on a regular basis there. I now kind of pop around to the different campuses. One of our larger campuses, I was speaking there, and and I uh, we were doing this thing. It was years ago. We were doing this thing called living the great adventure. And, uh, and, uh, and each, youth, each pastor had to do something crazy. Like a youth pastor did bull riding, and then we would film it, and we would watch it. And it was crazy, you know, and he got all beat up. And it was, yeah, you know, and, uh, and the youth pastor or one of the other pastors got tied up. We, we put their hands, they tied him up to the bar to the, for skiing, and we, t- we taught him to uh, barefoot ski. But when he fell, we would just drag him, and it was, it was awesome. And, uh, you, just, you know, and then we had uh, our children's director he got all bundled up at the Sheriff Academy with that foam and got attacked by German shepherds. And uh, he didn't make it, but, uh, um, but we were looking to make a move anyway with him. He wasn't doing a good job, so that was one way of God bless you on your way out. Um, and uh, but we wanted him to see heaven faster. So, um, and then my job was to skydive. Went skydiving. Everybody knew what I was going to skydive. You know, we, no one announced it, but they were just like, he's the lead pastor. He's going to do the crazy thing. So long story short, we go down on a Thursday, uh, and we take our film crew, and we're going to film it and then put it on the screen and whatever. And if you ever skydived before, a few of you have, you have to sign a lot of stuff, you know. you got to sign everything. And I didn't want to tandem. I wanted to train all day long and then jump out by myself. But you jump out with, with the, uh, they're called the uh, jump masters, and they jump out with you, and they're kind of like 50 feet away, and they give you hand signals and all that. So long story short, we go into this, we go into this room that's probably as big as this stage, a little small room, and we're getting trained all day long for eight hours to jump out by ourselves. And I'll never forget, there was, <laughs> there was this, uh, uh, I, I raised my hand in the class, I'm like, and there's only like five of us in there, and the instructor's like, uh, yeah, you got a question? I said, yeah. I go, I noticed that when I signed the paperwork, I go, you guys don't guarantee anything. And he goes, no, we don't guarantee nothing. I go, you don't guarantee the plane? He goes, nope. Uh, you don't guarantee the instructions we're getting here today? He goes, nope. I say, you don't guarantee the parachute? He goes, nope. I said, you don't guarantee uh, the landing? He goes, oh, no, we guarantee you'll land. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> One way or another, dude, you will hit the ground. And so 
like, all right, praise God. You know, so anyway, then, then the other part that was funny is they give you this piece of paper. It's got little squares on it, like it's all, it's, you know, little diagrams, whatever. And there's like 21 different hand signals. Your legs are too far apart. Your hands are too far apart. You're shaking, whatever. That way when you jump out and you're going like this because you can spin out of control pretty quick, you can look about 30 or 40 feet away and your jump master can give you a signal. But there's 21 of them. So I raised my hand, and I'm like, hey, dude. I go, is this paper important? He goes, oh, man. The instructor's like, it's a matter of life and death. And I'm like, well, how in the world are we going to memorize these? And this is what he says to me. He goes, oh, don't worry. You can take the paper with you. I'm thinking, how's that going to help? You know, I got it. Anyway, so it's time for us to jump, you know. And uh, I called my wife up, and my kids were much smaller at that time. And uh, we were going to go see, that night we were going to go see, uh, we were going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And then we were going to go see Wizard of Oz, the play, at a community theater. And so I uh, called my wife and I said, hey, they say I'm going to jump in like an hour, bring my clothes. You know, it's running late. You know, I'll just change here. We'll go to Chuck E. Cheese. We'll go see Wizard of Oz, the play. Just bring the tickets, bring everything. So my daughter's all dressed up like Dorothy. She's all pumped up, you know. She's a little girl. My son's got his pockets filled with Chuck E. Cheese tokens, you know. My wife's got the life insurance policy. Everybody had a motive. And... Um, they all head down there, you know, and then they delay for me to jump. I'll never forget, and I'm standing there, no joking, I'm standing there talking to my son, and they're like, okay, you guys are going to jump in like five minutes. I'm like, okay, and I'm talking to my son, and I'm all done up, got the whole thing on, the goggles, the parachute, the whole jumpsuit thing, and my daughter's right here, and my, and my son's all, daddy, I don't want you to go, and he's getting all emotional, you're going to get hurt, you know, and, and he goes, what if something happens, and you know, he's like nine or ten years old, and I'm like, don't worry, son, God will take care of me. But in my mind, I'm thinking, Willie, or is he in heaven going, you're the dummy. But then um, my daughter, I overhear my daughter. This is no joke. Honest to God. I overhear my daughter say to my wife, she doesn't know I hear her, but my daughter, she goes, now if daddy dies, we're still going to go see the wizard, right? <laughs> Just want to make sure the priorities are lined up. And so... Long story short, you know, they're like, okay, you got it. it's time to jump. So we get up in the air, and uh, we're there, and, uh, you know, it goes up, and then the one person jumps, then they, they round about, and then another person jumps, and they go about, and then another, and I'm the last one to jump. And it's like a, uh, like a six-foot door, and it's like a rolling garage door. And they yell out, you know, a minute to jump, you know, and, and I'm getting into position. And you got to get in position, like one foot here, one foot there. And you hang on, and you're looking 15,000 feet in the air. And I have two jump masters. My jump masters were named, get this, Yo-Yo and Ed. <laughs> my life was in the hand of a Yo-Yo and an Ed. And so, man, my heart was racing. They're all 30 seconds to jump. And I literally was having a hard time breathing. And I was like, man, this is great. And I felt my heartbeat. Like, bah, 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 bah. And the only reason I didn't chicken out is because the church knew I was going to jump. <laughs> it was ego. It was pride, you know. But there's a scripture, if you don't know, it says pride comes before a fall. It was about to happen. And so <laughs> I'm standing up there and I looked at Yo-Yo. I'll never forget. They're all 20 seconds to jump. And I'm all, Yo-Yo. You, know, you got to yell because the the doors open, I'm all, and I'm hanging on like this. I'm all, yo, yo, I want you to know I'm really scared. And this is what he said. Don't worry. Me and Ed will be just fine. I'm like, what do I care about you and Ed? And so then it was time. Boom, I jumped, man. The, the court, everything opened. It was an amazing thing, and it was an incredible thing. And I love doing adventurous things. But here's the thing. All my life, I've looked at the window of a plane. I fly almost every week of my life. Uh, and I look out the window of some little 12-inch plane, but that day I saw it from a totally different view. I saw not this, but I saw this. 
And today, I just want to challenge you for a few minutes that maybe you've seen your life out of this window, but God wants you to see it out of this window, that God has more for your life than you could ever possibly imagine. You may be new to church. This may be your first time here, second time here, fifth time here. You might have just strolled in here for coffee and thought, well, what was this, a Qantas meeting? No. Um, but let me just tell you that there's a God in heaven who's radically in love with you. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life, and he desires to do great things in you and through you. And because of him, he wants to do those things. I know it. I've lived it. Now, here's what I know about, here's what I know in Scripture. And if you have a Bible, you're going to go to John chapter 6. I love doing adventurous things, and so does Jesus. The Bible says that one day he turned the water into wine. Talk about being a hit at your local colleges. He turns water into wine. He goes down to the ocean, and he walks on the water. He goes to a funeral, and he raises, tells the guy in the casket, you can get out now. Uh, don't try that unless you're really confident because it could create a whole scene. And, uh, um, but he does these adventurous things, and I noticed something. You're not going to turn there. You don't need to turn there. But I noticed something one day when I was reading Mark 16. It said that the disciples, those are the followers of Jesus, if you don't know who they are, they went out and they, they, went out and they performed miracles and feed children, just like we're going to have an opportunity to feed children today. And they went out and did all these crazy, wonderful, incredible miracles and then, it's, and then it's just what they said. It says they went out and did all these incredible things, and then the miracles followed. They went and fed kids, then the miracles followed. They went and did amazing things, and miracles followed. They went and invited people to church, then the miracle followed. They went and served the community, and then the miracles followed. And here's three words I want you to really get in. It's the only three words I really want you to remember in my time with you is this. Miracles follow action. Say it out loud with me. Everybody in the house, come on. Miracles follow action. Miracles follow action. Think about that. If you look throughout the Bible, there's a story where, where the guy dug a hole in a roof or put a hole in the roof, and they lowered their friend down, and then Jesus healed him. Why did Jesus heal him, or how did that happen? Because the friends took action, because miracles follow action. There's another story in the Bible where these people were crowding around Jesus, and this woman kind of pushed her way through, and she had a, a blood disease, and she reached through and touched Jesus and was healed by his presence because she took action. Because why? Miracles follow what? They always follow action. Now, here's the reality. Most of us will never, watch this, most of us will never see a miracle because we'll never do anything that requires one. Miracles follow the action. It's the stepping out. It's the, it's the six years ago going, what if we fed kids at $10 a month? Do you think it would work? 172,000 children later. We haven't feeding everybody, but we're feeding hundreds. And I don't do this full, this is not my gig. I'm a pastor. You know, I'm a, but I just know that I wanted to do something. And I'm just a kid that grew up at 3481 Grand Street in a little town called Home Gardens where I was the token white kid, you know, in a, in a multi, and I mean, literally, it was like, and it was a, it was a town that was, uh, had all sorts of problems and issues, and there, and it was just, and I just thought, God, there's no way you're ever going to do anything in my life. There's no way you have a plan for my life. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up with a Christian home, nothing. I got invited to church when I was 14 years old, gave my life to Christ, never looked back, and never imagined that I'd be traveling, writing books, and doing what I do, but here's what I know. When I give up what's in my hand, God gives up what's in his. Always. The more I go like this, the more he goes like this. And I'm all in because I can't outgive him. I go this, he goes bam. I go this, he goes bam. And I'm all in because I love it. Now, let me give you three points because we are running out of time because I'm already telling you a bunch of stories and, making, and we're having a good time. All right. 
Plus, we had to talk about Katie Gaga, and that took 20 minutes. Um, she's going to come up and sing a song right now. In the shallow. Anyway, all right, here we go. <laughs> People haven't seen A Star is Born is going, what is he talking about? All right. Here we go. I want to give you three thoughts today that I think you might want to write down. I believe you, you remember 70% more if you actually write it down. Let me give you thought number one. Jesus loves to do miracles. Say that out loud with me. Everybody in the house. Jesus what? Loves to, Le- loves to do miracles. Watch the story in John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because he saw the miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down and his disciples around him. It was nearly time for, of the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked... Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, don't you love it when Jesus asks a question you darn well know he knows the answer to? I love it. It's not like he's going, yeah, I really don't have any idea. I am the son of God, but I don't know. Um, Look what it says. And this is, oh, this is one of my favorite parts, Pastor Josh, is he was testing Philip. We already knew what he was going to do. Now, let me help you out. He's over there. He's over there. It's teaching at at a side uh, at a site called uh, uh, Galilee. He's over here teaching. And, he, and he's teaching. And you can get food in this Galilee area. I've been there personally. You can get food there. It's the villages there, whatever. You can get food there, you know, 2,000 years ago. And then he gets done teaching, if you follow the scripture, and he goes on a walk around to the other side to Tiberias, by the way, is an eight-mile walk. And he basically says, here's part one of my message. If you want to hear part two, Walk with me eight miles. If I told you guys, hey, you want to hear part two, walk with me eight miles, you wouldn't walk eight feet. But um, <laughs> they walk eight miles to hear part two of his message. Now, in Tiberias, you can't get food. There's no villages. And it's very dangerous to walk back when it's dark. In one other portion of Scripture, it says it was dark, and they, didn't, they couldn't walk back. So the disciples come up, and they're like, you brought us all the way over here to Tiberias. There's no food over here. There's no villages over here. There's nothing. We can't buy anything. It's too dangerous to walk back. Now what are we going to do? And then it says, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Isn't it interesting that Jesus took them out of the comfort of Galilee to a place where they had to trust him in Tiberias? Very interesting that he moved them over there because he wanted to say, I need you to trust me. We don't have... Most of us in here have no idea when Jesus prayed the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. There ain't probably one of us even thinking about, how am I going to eat today? It doesn't even cross our mind. It's just, we're just going to whip out our debit card and go wherever we want to go. But there's so many people on the planet, even then, they had to say, they, he brought them to a place at Tiberias where they had to trust him. God, you're going to have to come through. And what's going to happen for you to come through? And so here's the thing. He's He brings them all the way over. And why does he bring them all the way over? Because he loves to do miracles. He sets the stage because he loves to do miracles. I've seen him do it over and over. I watched him do miracles in people's lives. When my kids were really small, my wife and I, they were just maybe five and four years old. They'd never been to Disneyland. My wife and I saved up to about 20 grand, so we had enough to get in. And, (laughs) And so we went to Disneyland and... Never forget it. You know, we got off the Pirates of the Caribbean, and, the, and, and uh, there was the haunted house was right there. And I told my wife, there's no line at the haunted house because everything's about no line, you know. So I'm like, there's no line. Let's go get in line. You know, she's like, no, we can't go in the haunted house. The kids are going to get scared. I'm thinking, it's the haunted house. How scared? It's Disneyland, you know. <laughs> like Mickey with one ear. I mean, how frightening could it be, you know. And so 
We get, we, I, she's all, you go on it and you take the kids. We can, we can do it, Dad. We can do it. So we go on the haunted house. We're going through. If you've ever been on it before, you get to a place where you, you, you see yourself in a mirror and there's like this ghost with a top hat dancing behind you, but you can't see it. And it's kind of weird. It's just a little trick. That's where my kids lost it. <laughs> they are, Aah! they're screaming, Aah! I'm like, you got to stop crying. Mom's going to kill me. And they're just going nuts, you know, and they're screaming. And I had to turn it into a leadership lesson. So I was like, this is what happens when you don't clean your room. You know, I just. <laughs> so then we, we finally get off the ride and they're crying. You know, and, and my wife's like, I told you, you know. And I'm like, well, we'll fix it, kids. And they're all cotton candy, you know. And so we had about $2,000 left. So that was enough to get cotton candy. So we went up to the little cart there with the umbrella, and I go, I'll, I'll, I'll take two cotton candies and one lemonade. And I go, by the way, how you doing today? And she, she's probably in her 25 years old, girl behind the counter. This is what she said. I go, how you doing today? She goes, lousy. And I'm like, Man, you're at the happiest place on earth, lady. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, I'm like, really? I go, well, you got a job, don't you? And she goes, I'm trying to find something positive because that's the kind of person I am. If you've met me, you probably picked that up pretty quick. And I'm like, I go, well, you got a job, don't you? And she goes, yeah, but I don't like it. I'm like, you got a car to drive? Doesn't run good. I go, you got a house to live in? I don't like my roommates. My kids are all, can we go back on the haunted house? This lady's freaking me out. <laughs> now, I had an opportunity to talk with this lady, and, and I'd like to say, oh, I led her to the Lord, didn't lead her to the Lord. But I find myself in opportunities there all the time where I'm thinking, Lord, you love to do miracles. It doesn't matter where I'm at or what I'm doing. You love to do miracles. But there is a key to all of it, you guys, and that is this. Is that, put it on the screen for me, is that Jesus wants to use others. See, here's the thing. He loves to do miracles. This is the crazy part. He loves to do miracles. Are you ready for this? He just doesn't like doing them alone. That's the crazy thing. It's mind-boggling to me that the holy God of Israel, the creator of this universe, every star he put into place, wants to partner with me. A big old chief of all sinners a guy that absolutely blows it, does dumb things all the time, he still wants to partner with me. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how you've blown it, what mistakes you've made. All I know is there's a God in heaven who created heaven and earth, and he wants to partner with me. So he loves to do miracles. He just doesn't want to do them alone. And so that's the beauty of it. So when I invite someone who is not really open to God or church, but they, they'll come to church. Maybe they'll come here. And they come and they sit down and maybe they find the Lord and they get baptized. That's the miracle. When I give, that's the miracle. When I serve, that's the miracle. When I feed a child, that's the miracle. I think we think miracles as well. My, my, I'm blind. Open the blind eyes. I'm no, no, no. The, some of the greatest miracles aren't the blind eyes and the deaf ears. I've seen that. But the, some of the greatest miracles is just bringing your next door neighbor to church. Because there's nothing greater than salvation. I mean, there's nothing, no greater miracle. Like, why would you save me, you know? Uh, but he does that. And for 172,000 children this morning that woke up and ate a meal because three or four pastors six years ago got together and said, what if we got our friends all across America to start announcing it at churches? What if we just did that for 172,000 children? It's a miracle. Jesus loves to do miracles. He just doesn't like doing them alone. He doesn't, he doesn't like doing them alone. Matter of fact, look what it says. Okay, let's pick it up at verse 7. Philip replies. Remember, he, Philip goes, where are we going to get food? What are we going to do? And he was testing Philip. Remember, they got no food. They can't go back to the, to the village. 
And then it says, Philip replies, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up. There's a young boy here with five loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this crowd? Now, here's a picture of the scene. Jesus is standing there talking to Philip. He's like, man, we don't have no food. What are we going to do? Philip's freaking out. Jesus knows what he's going to do. He's going to work it out. Hold on. Andrew comes walking up. Andrew, one of the disciples, hey, I got a little boy here with a sack lunch. You know, he's got five loaves and two fish, you know. Now, time out. I wonder what happened behind the scene with Andrew and the little boy. Because, you know, kids don't want to give up their food. I wonder if it was like, look, if you want to make it in the Bible, you know, whatever. It's going to be a big book. You might want to get in it. Legendary. So they bring him up. they got the five loaves and the two fish. Now, here's the thing. Could Jesus have picked up a, a, a stick and turned it into bread? Sure. Could he have picked up a rock and turned it into a fish? Sure. Then why didn't he? Why just not do that? Because he wanted everybody, including a little boy with a sack lunch, to be a part of the miracle working process. He wants everybody to be a part of the miracle working process. I don't want anybody to leave anybody out. He loves to use others. You know, I... Uh, I, uh, I, I'm a good friend with a guy that used to be on your team here, Phoenix Suns, and I was at the Lakers, Tyson Chandler. And uh, uh, I know his family. I baptized him, baptized his wife, dedicated his children. You know how hard it is to baptize someone that's 7'2"? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The guy's 7'2". I'm like, I'm like, dude, just get in there and just fall over, and I'll throw some water on you. I don't I have no idea. I had a hose, you know, just whatever. <laughs> Literally, I had a crane in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a nightmare. But anyway... I remember many conversations with Tyson, you know, as, as he grew in the Lord and as he's continuing to grow in the Lord. And he played center for the Phoenix Suns, now plays for the Lakers. And, and uh, all these conversations I would have with him. And, and even as a, an NBA star, you know, he's got, he got a gold medal and all that stuff. And he even said to me, he goes, you think God can really use me? And I'm like, God can use anybody, Tyson. He goes, yeah, but I'm nothing. He goes, I'm just a basketball player. I go, it doesn't matter if you're a basketball player or you're an insurance salesman or you sell cars, or you work at a restaurant and you're a waiter, a waitress, server, whatever, work at, it doesn't matter. He loves to do miracles. He just doesn't like doing them alone. Think about it. He always, look Genesis to Revelations. I've read it a couple times. Genesis to Revelations in the Bible. He doesn't do things alone, ever. He always finds, a, he's, well, he stopped the river from flowing. Yeah, after someone walked in it, held up their hand. Yeah, but he, but yeah, but that's because the friends brought him. That's why, because miracles follow. He loves to do miracles. He's just waiting for someone to take some action. I didn't think six years later we'd be going, "Hey, we're feeding 172,000 children." It's just an idea. That's all it was. He loves to do miracles. He just doesn't like doing them alone. Let me give you the third and final one: is Jesus multiplies it. Whenever we, whenever we partner with him, he always multiplies it. I don't know how he takes $10 a month and changes a kid's life forever, but he does. I don't know how when I tithe and I give that he just does miraculous things and blesses me black and blesses everybody else, and it's just awesome. He just does. And I don't know, like, when I invite someone to church that I had no idea that all that would happen in that person's life, you know. Uh, years ago, I invited someone to church, um, I, just a guy that invited. I ended up praying with the guy. I actually led him to the Lord. And now he's the number one designer for churches in the nation. Owns a place called Visionary Studios. 
design, and he designs churches. Designs Stephen Furtis Church, Andy Stanley's church, Joel Osteen's church. He's designing all these churches, and years ago, he didn't want anything to do with the Lord. But I didn't know. I just was inviting a guy I knew. I didn't know that he would become all. I had no idea. Jesus multiplies the effort. Look what, look what happened in, this, in the scripture in, in verse 10 real quick. It says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. Remember, he's got the little boy's sack lunch now. So they all sat down on the grassy slope. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. A miracle. Let's stop right there. Wouldn't you love to just buy $10 worth of grocery and feed your family until they can't eat anymore? Oh, thank the Lord. I pray over my groceries all the time. Um, <laughs> multiply them, multiply them, Lord. Um, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up pieces and, and filled 12 baskets. Isn't that interesting? How many baskets did they fill? Anybody have any idea how many disciples there were at that time? Isn't it interesting they didn't fill 11 baskets? Why? Because he wanted everybody to be a part of the miracle working process. Not even one disciple, not even Judas, was left out of the process. He wanted everybody to be a part of it. And he says, and they filled it with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five loaves. Jesus took this little sack lunch from a boy and fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people because he multiplies. When we give up what's in our hand, he gives up what's in his he multiplies it every single time. And that's what he does. And that's, that's the power of what Je I love the math of Jesus. I love it. I don't love the math of the bank. You know, if you have a million dollars in a savings account, by next year you'll have a million and three dollars. A whole three dollars in interest. Um, God bless you. Uh, I, love, I love going to the bank, you know, on Mondays because they give out free donuts. And... Um, at this bank I go to, and I'll never forget, I walked up, and I, I'll never forget, I walked up, and they said, and I uh, went up to the counter, and, and uh, uh, I did some checking, and she says, okay, uh, um, she goes, I said, can I have the balance? And she goes, do you want me to write it down, or do you want me to say it out loud? I'm thinking, I knew there was about $1,700 in there, so I'm thinking, it's only $1,700, lady, like, it's not a big deal, so I leaned into the teller, and I'm like, just tell me, go ahead and tell me, and she goes, uh, Mr. Songson, you have $1,748,520.56. She goes, does that sound right? And I go, yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> she said, uh, can I do anything else for you? I said, I need a withdraw as fast as possible <laughs> before you people catch on. Because <laughs> come sunrise, I'm going to Mexico with this money, and I'm out of here. <laughs> now, I don't love the math of the bank, but I do love the math of, of Jesus. He multiplies it. I'm telling you, he does it. You know, this whole feed one thing, we, uh, it started, like I said, um, about six, seven years ago. Convoy of Hope is this massive ministry. And I went to the president and I said, hey, I got this idea called Feed One. What if we, based on what Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100, then at least feed one. And what if we went around and got churches, like you took care of a kid at $10 and you took care of a kid. Maybe you could do two and you could do one and you could do three and you could do one. Whatever. And then over time, that would just kind of turn into thousands and it was just an idea. It's just an idea. Uh, you know, and, and it all started when I went to Haiti for the first time uh, about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. Never forget, went on the flight to Haiti. And uh, you ever been on a flight and then they go out to the tarmac and they wait for like an hour and a half? And they waited and it got hotter and hotter 
And it was like, you know, it was like we're sitting out there on the tarmac for 90 minutes. I remember on the trip to Haiti thinking, I'm going to miss my connecting flight in Miami. And, and so it was getting hot. It was getting hot in there. And everybody around me is getting negative on the plane. And I'm a pretty positive person. But there was a point where I was like, okay, now I'm getting upset, you know. I'm like, it's getting hot in here. I'm like, yeah, come on, burn the plane down. You know, I was getting mad. <laughs> Crucify the pilot. Bring us Barabbas. Just yelling out all sorts of Christian things. And, uh, um. And so I was like, man, it's just cranking hot. So I go back to the flight attendant, you know, or go back to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. So I go, I'm about to open up the little bathroom door, and the flight attendant's standing right there, and she has got the biggest smile in the world on her face. And we've been out there for an hour and a half. She's like, how you doing? I'm like thinking, why are you so happy? You know, it's 150 degrees in here. We've been out here an hour and a half. So I asked her, I go, ma'am, I go, why are you so happy? And she leans in. She goes, well, I'm not supposed to talk about it at work, but it's Jesus that makes me happy. Now, how do you think I felt as the pastor on the flight? <laughs> and to make it even worse, no joke, she leans in. She goes, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and I'm thinking, apparently not. I thought I did. <laughs> so I received the Lord right there seven years ago. been following him ever since. <laughs> she baptized me in the sink. And uh, um, got to Haiti. I'm in Haiti. And we're going around, and we were already supporting as a church, our, our campuses and all of our, we were supporting. Long story short, walk into a room about this big. There's 100 kids in there in school, and they all got little uniforms on and all that. And I'm standing up there like this, and we were sponsoring every one of those kids to get fed. Because for $10 a month, you not only feed a kid, you give them clean water and a chance to hear about Jesus. In this case, we went the extra mile and bought, bought them all uniforms. So they were all coming to school. You know, and I'm like, okay, so I'm standing up there, and the, and the guy's interpreting in my ear, and the principal's talking, you know, and he's interpreting my ear. He's like, hey, the guy in the checkered shirt, he was talking about me. He said, he's a pastor of a church in America, and all these kids are like six, seven, eight years old. He says, he's the reason why you're getting your meal today. And they, just as they interpreted that in my ear, all 100 kids jump up and ran towards me and tackled me. And I was at the bottom of this big old group of kids hugging me and kissing me and in broken English saying, thank you for our food. All it was was beans and rice. That's all it is. That's all that we, they gave me. I did notice, though, I looked out the windows and I said, there were just little windows. And it wasn't like this. It was all cement. The windows weren't windows. They were just holes in there to get ventilation. It's a third world country. It's not, it's not like this. Get this out of your mind. And... They, I looked through the quasi-windows, if you will, and I looked around, and as I looked through the windows, I noticed there were kids all throughout there. And I said, hey, I go, why aren't those kids in here? And you know what he said to me? He said, $10 a month. That's why they're not in here. And I go, why are they out there waiting? He goes, they're hoping there's going to be some food left over. And there wasn't. I got back on the plane, and I, I felt like God said, okay, you need to do something about this, Chris. And so I went, and I spoke to Hal, and I said, I think that God wants us to do something. And so we've been feeding kids ever since. And um, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. A couple weeks ago, you saw the video of Kate. And I asked that if, Pastor, if he would show that again. You're going to watch it again. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago, you'll see it for the first time. This is a story of a girl that we interviewed at eight years old. Then we went back eight years later, and we wanted to know what our $10 a month did. Did it make a difference in her life? And it did. I just saw her again. She's 19 years old now. I just saw her again, and she's a totally different girl, uh, and we were supporting a place in the Philippines. This is a story of Kate, and there are tens of thousands of Kate that I need your help with. And so check out this story, and then your pastor will come. <laughs> 